You're listening to Smart to Death Radio. Hey everybody, it's the interview queen Alicia Toot here, and you are currently listening to and obviously enjoying Queen's Court. Hi, I'm the Asian sensation Kanji. You're listening to Queen's Court. Hi guys, this is the Queen of Queen's Massage talking. And I am so happy to introduce you to the Queen's Court. You're now at side two of the hashtag Queen and Pup Connections double doubling down on Double or Nothing episode. You should have already listened to part one on no particular angle. If you haven't already, please do so and then enjoy part two. Right. Yeah, I think that they've been able to pivot really, really well. I, mean, I think mm-hmm. that's fair that they've been able to do a lot of different things from, yep. I mean, from the inception, right, with the whole, you know, Pac page fiasco. Yeah, fiasco is probably too strong. Well, you know where I'm going with this. I do. Um, I, I, I put it firmly on brandy and i love brandy i'm brandy's number one fan you know i don't uh amy if you're listening out there you know uh aew phoenix yeah i know you're a brandy fan i am Mm -hmm. number one you do not beat me in this and (laughs) i will i I will i will verbally spar with you on twitter because of it (laughs) amy and i are cool but um it is you know brandy's my number one and she comes out in jacksonville you know in in the winter of 19 2019 january 2019 talking about how you know the 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 women's division the women's wrestling as we know it is going to change right Mm -hmm. it's the whole change the world thing it's just on the women's side and she set a pretty high bar Mm -hmm. i didn't set that bar cody didn't set that bar brandy set that bar and then Wherever that bar is set, Kenny Omega, and that's my understanding. And if I'm wrong, somebody will correct me, right? As as one of the EVPs was in charge of making sure that the roster and what was presented to us on television and and all that 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 expectation and what we saw, the production that we saw, rose to the level of the bar that was set by Brandy back at that press concert or back at that press conference in January, and it wasn't, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm not going to sit here and say. That that's a damnation on AEW, no. right? They need to build. They needed to to bring in talent. You know, WWE has bought up a lot of women's talent because they see that there's a future in women's wrestling. You know what I mean? And that they say that there's money in women's wrestling. And so, you know, the it was a little thinner. A lot of people are coming up. They need the miles. You know, they need to be able to work the matches and. You know, pay their dues in a sense and gain the experience before you can go out and sign these people because you can't put them on television if they're unpolished. Then they got to learn how to wrestle on television, right? You don't have the experience of a, of a Cody or the Young Bucks or uh, or, or Kenny and, and the big high profile type of matches at this point. And so you kind of have to kind of pull them along a little bit more and you're asking the fans to be patient, which I'll tell you 99% of us were. Obviously, oh, yeah. You have the 1% that likes to shit on everything, but hey. You know, those people need to be loved, too. Um, and it's one of those things where if that was kind of the way they set the expectations at the beginning, and maybe not that transparent, but with a little bit more of we're going to build over the course of the next 12 months this roster that is going to be unparalleled with regards to the different types of styles that you're going to see. And bop, 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 I would have been 
hook, line, and sinker it invested from the beginning. And I would have looked back at the last 12 months and said, it's a pretty good 12 months. You know, if you look at this on paper and you say from where they were to where they've gone and everything in between, it's not been a bad 12 months for the women's division. Now, you're not, you didn't put enough of them on television at the beginning and there's a lot of criticisms there, but you're establishing stars and storylines and you have a lot of heavy hitters in there with Jericho's and Cody's and Bucks and, and Omega's and Moxley's and all these people. Okay, fine. We give you a little bit of reprieve in the beginning and you begin to become a little bit more consistent in putting women's wrestling uh, in the forefront on AEW, you know, through the back two thirds of the year. But you set that bar so high that my expect that now you're not reaching my expectation. So our expectations are set so high because you've put us there and you know, you've fallen a little short. So I think the criticism has been fair. I think, to your point, you have a way of of writing the ship moving forward by giving the title to Hikaru Shida. Um, you're not weakening Nyla by having her in a gimmicked match lose the title at this point. Like you're just not. You know, you're putting the title in somebody else and allowing them the opportunity to run with it. We've seen this with the tag team titles. You can make the case that we've seen this with the AEW World Championship up to this point, right? Sure. Um, it'll be interesting. And again, I'm going to hold I, – I could I could send this down two pass with Nyla and Hikaru. But I'm going to wait until uh, – you know, I'm going to wait to make a prediction on it. But, you know, you do have an opportunity coming out of this match to really fortify, you know, the, the tone of what this women's division can be moving forward. Because you have Nyla, who's a heavy hitter. You have Sheeta, who's a heavy hitter. You have Statlander, who's a heavy hitter. Uh, Shanna is a heavy hitter, right? And you have Awesome Kong and Aja Kong, who you can always, you know, pull in at random times to kind of help with that as well. And then you've got, you know, the Brits and the Penelopes and, and everybody else to kind of flesh out um, everything on the other side. Britt Baker is not going to win this title if Nyla keeps it. Like I there's agree. just there's just not a pathway. So, you know, she's in a she's in a program now with Chris. You know, they can do a lot there. You know, ultimately we'll see where it goes. But to your point before, I'm happy that we have two singles matches. Clear cut. This should be either retain or defense or and new. And then your number one contender coming out of this then being able to build a full program over the course of the next couple months leading into the next pay-per-view. That's what my hope is uh, with these four women moving forward. Mine as well. And, you know, I think another way that they have pivoted and turned the corner in a lot of ways is putting the women on AEW Dark and showcasing them and making AEW Dark more of a big deal. Because here's the thing. Not everybody watches AEW Dark. I don't always have time to watch AEW Dark. So I don't get to see some of these people. Right. But once you're really starting to put these ladies on your Wednesday programming for the people who only watch on Wednesdays, I think you're going to get a, a good spot. And for me, I, I'll make one little prediction here. And it's not really so much a prediction as in what I can see. And what I can see is I think they're going to try to put the title on Brit eventually. And I feel like as much as I love Chris Statlander, it's just not her time yet. And I feel like Brit's going to come out victorious from that. And I can see her in a program with Sheeta, and I can see it lasting for a little bit. We, now, remember, the other thing AEW does really well, which they established here at Double or Nothing, is setting this four-pay-per-view precedent, 
with three months of build in between each pay-per-view. And I'll tell you, JPQ, it works very well. You know, for those of us who are storyline driven and love to see a build towards something big, um, three months, man, to do it is super nice. And I, for one, would be into I'd be into seeing Sheeta and Britt together. I think that it could be a really interesting dynamic. Yeah, gives it enough time to pivot to you can always kind of go away from it and come back to it. Exactly. You know, there's a lot you can do with it and you can help build everybody else around it at the same time. So 100%. I'm 100% on board with these four women, 100% on board with two sickles matches. And my hope is we have a number one contender coming out of this and a champion that um, people want to chase, right? That people are behind in a good way or a bad way, you know, moving forward. Um, Moving on, you know, we've got we've got our three mains, right? We have let's what do you want to start with? You want to start with TNT? Let's start with TNT because that's new. And different than what we saw at Double or Nothing, right? Because we only had the 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 whisper <laughs> of the championship <laughs> at this point last year, right? right? We knew it was coming, but no one, no one, no belts at Double or Nothing, except right. you know for uh, the AAA World Tag Team Championships, but but it's not an AEW title. That's right, and yeah. so we're sitting on a, a a finals of a tournament that has spanned since early April. Uh, Cody versus. Cody beating Sean Spears, Darby Allen to get himself to the finals. Uh, we've had Lance Archer in his debut, um, well, debut month really, uh, come in, beat up on the likes of Colt Cabana, beat up on the likes of Dustin Rhodes, and now finds himself in the finals, uh, accompanied by none other than Jake the Snake Roberts. Uh, both one on one for the first secondary. Um, title in in AEW history, the TNT Championship. Do you like the name TNT Championship? I don't hate it. You don't hate it? I don't hate it. I know a lot of people are like, uh, really? Can it just be the television title? And I'm like, okay, like I get it. Yeah. But I mean, isn't it though? Isn't it? That's isn't what it, it is? what it is? Yeah. It, that, so just call the TV title, and it's it'll me. be fine. That's right. <laughs> branding for TNT. You know, yeah, I mean, let them have it. Maybe they maybe they maybe they paid in. Maybe they gave him a little reduction. In, no, of course they didn't do that. No. Uh, <laughs> but, but it's a little branding for them, exactly. I don't hate yeah. it, JBQ. I don't hate it. Yeah. Did you like the tournament? Well, see, here's the thing about the tournament. I think that if COVID wasn't a thing, I think it would have had different people in it. Um, I didn't dislike it. I mm. really enjoyed because I can watch these two fight all the time. Darby versus Sammy Guevara. All sure. day, every day, any time of day, and any type of match I'm in. Okay? I thought that was really great. And Cody versus Darby. Another pair I could watch wrestle all of the time. I find Darby to be an excellent foil for Cody. Because they're so different in the way that they fight in the ring. Um, I didn't like the outcome. I'm going to be honest. I don't think that these two should be in any shape or form in a title match at all, period. I just don't see it as a a thing that should be happening right now. Um, but they are. So who's going to be your first television champion? You know, we talked a lot about, you know, where's Cody going to go, right, after his whole stipulation of, well, I'm never going to challenge for the main title again if I lose MJF Costum, da, da, da. Now, there are ways around that, and I'm firmly in the belief that before he's done wrestling, he's going to be the AEW world champion. Sorry, people. Sure. It's happening. Mm-hmm. But... There's a mid-card title. It seems kind of like where Cody should be to start. He's the gatekeeper. He's the guy you got to get through to get to the top. 
because that's the position that he put himself in. So like that part of it logically makes sense to me. I just don't understand why they're fighting for a belt. Like why, why are these two fighting for a championship belt of television? Like this to me is your mid card belt. Um, Lance Archer is a main event contender. And like, I get it. He's new. He's got to run through some people. He's got to do his thing. I'm all for that. But like this, mm, I just don't, I don't love it. Will it be interesting? Sure. I I don't, you know, I don't think it's not going to be interesting. Uh, It's a Cody match. So there will be tons of shenanigans. There'll be a belt throw and Brandy will probably get hit by something. And, you know, he'll be outside of the ring and, you know, your typical, you know, you know, it's a Cody match when situation. Um, I don't know. I, I don't love it. I don't hate it. I just don't love it, JPQ. I would love it if they were actually building new stars. Because these two could have had their moment on this year's Double or Nothing minus a championship match, in my opinion. <laughs> I would I would agree with you um, that there's a little bit of, uh, you know, there's a little bit of, I don't want to call it boring, but it's like stagnant. Right? Mm. There's a stagnantness to, to, to Cody versus... To, now, I like the, the matchup. I like Cody versus Lance Archer, and I like that it means something and that they're doing it at double or nothing and that they're, they're doing it for a TNT championship. I'm a big fan of that. Here's what I didn't like. I didn't like how we got there. Mm. I'm okay with those two being in it. But again, it goes back, take it back a year. What mm-hmm. was AEW supposed to be? And, and it is this. It certainly is this. But it is the best wrestling, all different styles, in the world today, we are going to bring you wrestling that you have never seen before on television here stateside. That is our mission statement. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, this is a secondary title. And you have the likes of Joey Janela. You have the likes of Jimmy Havoc. You have the likes, again, of Sammy Guevara, right? And and Darby all, uh, uh, Allen. And, and you know, you could have put Phoenix in this. You could have put Pentagon in this. And there's, there's all these different people that, that you could have entrusted with a couple of these spots. Now, was because of COVID, who was available and who wasn't, and so you have to give them a pass. And I'm certainly going to. Oh, yeah. Right? But I, but watching this week in and week out, you know, the 8th, 15th, 22nd, 29th, right? And here we are now May 23rd, right? Because the semis were back on the 29th of April. You know what I mean? It's been a little while mm-hmm. um, as we've been building to this. It now comes down to like, well, have I seen a a huge separation in in wrestling styles for the secondary title, or does it feel kind of like the world championship picture? You know, like it's the, obviously it's not as elevated, right? It's not main event status, you know, but it's Cody versus Lance Archer, right? And if and if Cody was the champion, um, uh, the world champion, and you put Lance Archer in the same position, it's the same match, correct? Right. You put Lance Archer against John Moxley. You know what I mean? It's the same match. Like there is no like, and they're very good at what they do. So I don't want people to misconstrue this as as I think they're they're bad or they're not able to to perform or be entertaining or that we wouldn't enjoy it as fans. But again, you sold me a bill of goods back in Jacksonville, right? This is the Jacksons now talking about bringing in, uh, you know, uh, uh, Shima, bringing in um, some some wrestlers from China. Um, Al Lindemann, yeah, who, who we actually saw last year, funny enough, right? We saw T-Hawk and Al Lindemann. We saw the Strong Hearts, right? I was we trying did. to remember their name. I couldn't remember it. Um, you know, and and they, they prided themselves on the fact of these different styles, you know? And and I so I, I'm going to give them a pass because of the world in which we live. 
Of course. You know, but you're telling me that we couldn't have gotten more comedy? Like, a sh- like again, Colt Cabana versus Lance Archer in the first round was a 12, almost 13-minute match. Did we really need to see Colt Cabana for 13 minutes? Or no. do we need to see him go in there, you know, shuck and jive a little bit, get a couple ha-has, and then get pinned in four minutes? You know what I mean? Like, and let yep. Ant Archer begin the steamroll from there. Did we need Arby vers- or, uh, Darby versus Sammy, too, at this point? You know, do we need Kip versus Dustin? Do we need Dustin at all? No. You know what I mean? In this whole thing. You know, again, Joey Janela was there. He's been in Jacksonville. You could have put him. Jimmy Havoc, I think, gets a pass because I don't think he was there. He might have been. I think I want to say that I've saw him in the last couple of weeks. Yep. And if, and if he was in Jacksonville, you know, why don't you have a hardcore inspired match? You know what I mean? In the quarterfinals that he loses. You know, and Darby all in Eric goes in against Cody in the next round. Like you can, you know, put this together in, in different styles and different meshes, and 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 really kind of play placate towards you know all the differences of all these players or all these all these people. And you're not right. Every match kind of felt the same in some form or fashion, right? We're getting to know these wrestlers. That you know, Darby Allen's match with Sammy was a Darby Allen match. Cody's match with Sean Spears was just a replay of what they were what they did earlier in the year. Uh, Dustin and Kip was, that was a Dustin Rhodes match. You know what I mean? Lance Archer steamrolled through him. Same in the semis. Then once again, going into the finals. And so it wasn't bad. It was good. But again, you've changed my expectation. You told me this is what I should be looking out for. And right now you're not coming through on that promise. And so when people criticize AEW because of this, I don't know if I have a leg to stand on to defend them, Right. Does that mean that the product is bad? No. no. The product is fantastic, right? And that's the thing. Like, you can be critical and still enjoy what you're watching. Yeah, there's nuance to this. But what what could it be? You know what I mean? Or is it just we like the idea of that, but when, put, when pen goes to paper and we got to put this stuff on television, you know, are we going to show out the way we want to or are we going to play nice with the suits up and it kind of feels mm. it kind of feels like they're playing nice with the suits up at up at uh uh TNT, right? Up to and including naming the championship the TNT champion. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but you know, um and, and that's my only criticism of this tournament, right? I love Cody and I love Lance, and I'm probably in the minority when I say I wanted this to be my finals, right? I'm just disappointed with how we got there because I think you could have taken a, you you've taken a lot of creativity out of the hands of the different styles available to you to put on one compelling tournament. Instead, I don't remember any of the tournaments, but I am going to remember the finals of Build or Nothing. I definitely will. And you know, it's a shame too, because I love tournaments. I love them. You know how much we love tournaments over here at JBQ. We love them. Best Mm -hmm. of Super Juniors. I mean, G1. We could go on. Five Star. Five Star. Watch Stardom. Cinderella. You know, Mm -hmm. good stuff. I got you. I got you. I do. But, you know, this is lackluster, and we're going to give him a pass. It is what it is. Right. Um, ultimately, the final, I think it'll be good, and it'll be what it'll be, and we'll see what happens from here. I think what happens from here and how they establish this new title is going to mean a lot. So yes. I'm more looking forward to that than this tournament, because I think the tournament and everything for the past couple of months with everybody should just be like, Shh, put it under the rug, let's just – Etch a sketch it, shake it up, and and move forward. So I will tell you this: I'm not going to give a prediction for it. Obviously, yeah. I know we've been saying that a lot. I just don't want anybody to think like, "Hey, it's going to happen," and then it doesn't. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> I will tell you this about this match, and again, because I feel like I've 
been a little negative on this, but it's really, again, it's really on how we got there, not this match. This match will have the emotional impact the way Cody and Dustin did a year ago. Now, it's not going to reach that heights, right? We're not going to be crying at the end of it. But you talking about emotional response from in-ring storytelling, I think that's what you get at the end of this match. I'm not going to tell you who wins or who I think is going to win, but I think the win for the TNT Championship moving forward coming out of this is the fact that, you know, at this, when this is all said and done and the dust settles and we have a new champion, we're going to be feeling something as fans on the inside. I really think these two are capable of making that happen. I hope so, because, you know, th- this is my struggle with this year's Double or Nothing comparing it back a year ago, is this match that Cody had with his brother at Double or Nothing was just the pinnacle of, of matches, you know, as far as the story is concerned. You know, was it the best technical wrestling match in the world? Of course not. But was it the most emotionally responsive? Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was just, it was brutal. Edge of my seat, brutal. I didn't tear my my entire face away from that screen while that match was happening for 23 minutes almost. Yep. You know, it was riveting. It was engaging. It was bloody, very bloody. It was emotional in the, in the scene afterwards. And, you know, it just, it meant so much. And then I'm looking at this card for this year, and I don't feel any emotional attachments here. I don't feel any storylines that I'm like, oh, my God, I'm like super invested in that. And and I know a lot of that has to do with the fact that it was the very first double or nothing. They were going to go balls to the wall. Absolutely crazy. It was the first pay-per-view under their AEW banner they had to absolutely show out. I get that. But but we're one year later now. You're a different company. You're on television. Things are, are, are a different ball game for you. I don't know. It feels a little bit different for me this year. Yeah, I mean it is right. I I I do for a not, lot of reasons, not just right. There's that's no the fans, thing. I do, I do not want to undersell how COVID has dampened my excitement for for what for this match or for this sure. uh, for this pay per view because there's a lot of things that kept them handcuffed in the of last course. couple months that has led to this, right? And it uh, it's all promotions, all promotions that are working right now. You know, as fans, we got to have to look at it with Mandy Rose colored glasses, right? Uh, (laughs) Because because, you know, they're not working in their typical environments. And so and so I want to make sure that, you know, again, we're we're more pining for the fact that of what could have been instead of what's in front of us. But that doesn't mean that we're not enjoying, obviously, what we like or that that we're not enjoying what the the, the ride that we're on. Um, But, yeah, you know, I think we can make the case that you know it it feels weak right which i'll tell you interests me right because if they can exceed my expectation if i think it's a weak card and this ends up being a great show well then they just earned a fan for life because now any build that they have really like i mean you can still have bad builds but any build of a card that i look at and i say like okay well this doesn't okay well last time they proved me wrong right so this gives them an opportunity to have eight strong showings and at the end of this be going wow i thought i knew i had no idea and as a fan if i get that feeling you talk loyalty you know what i mean i'm going to invest you know you can do wrong by me a couple times right you've just you've just earned yourself a little bit of credit um you know uh longer or um you know for longer term successes um moving on let's talk john moxley versus Brody lee now yeah let's this was the, this is the battle of the debuts last year you know, yeah. this was uh, the first time we met the Dark Order 
was after the best friends versus uh you know jack evans and on helico um on double or nothing right and then evil uno comes out and uh, who we thought were the super smash bros at the time uh, <laughs> a lot to say that still but you know they came out and and they you know ganged up and they beat the crap out of out of uh, the best friends and you know we kind of were introduced to the dark order for the first time these gimpy looking uh dark order members uh fast forward a year and not only have they found themselves in a in a position to where they look a lot stronger than they did back then but we have excellent cult-like vignettes we have the exalted one in Brody lee high profile uh, free agent from wwe coming in uh looking to you know, earn back what he felt he lost while he was doing his eight-year run in WWE. Um, and he's putting on some great vignettes and really kind of fleshing out the Exalted One's character. And he's kind of holding the title, you know, in in a, in a sense right now and, you know, called out John Moxley a couple weeks ago. And it's a quick build, right? We're two weeks in and it's a very quick build. On the other side, we have John Moxley who, you know, you don't remember Double or Nothing last year without remembering... The read or the debut of John Moxley in uh, it, it, you know beating up Kenny Omega at the end, right? You don't think you don't associate anything other than you know the the camera going off and John Moxley up on what like fifty yep. chips, life chips. Size, family size <laughs> chips, yeah, you know, up there uh, as as you know as as the camera goes off and the feeling. Right. And the tone that that set, the tenor that that set for what AEW uh, can be right or could be moving forward. And he's been able to live off that momentum. Now, he's exceeded it uh, on his own right to where he's the heavyweight champion right now. But, uh, you know, he's as advertised from a year ago as he is right now. He finds himself in a very. Yeah. Again. He finds himself in a feud in which he got his ass kicked two weeks ago. And got a little come up and got a little payback last week. We'll see what happens on on uh, the, the go home show. But uh, overall, you know, this has been a very quick build where John Moxley's like, "Hey, you just want to fight? You should have just asked." You know, we didn't have to do this. Give me my title back, and and we're setting up for something here. Um, should I care, Queen, <laughs> about <laughs> about these two? It, the easy decision. And again, we're we're not gonna pick, but. John Moxley versus Brody Lee, it's it, the writing is on the wall that this is John Moxley all day. You know, I got an argument on why I think it's going to be Brody Lee or why it should be Brody Lee. You know, but knowing that John Moxley has only defended this title what once, mm-hmm. that's by Hagar in an empty arena match, um, and he hasn't been on TV every week on Dynamite. You know, that for being a World Championship match and not being the main event. Is this just what we should come to expect from John Moxley? You know, this is kind of like Dean Ambrose all over again, right? Except he doesn't no. have pitch the plant with him. And he's not working opposite of AJ Styles. You know, it's like there's a lot of hype around John Moxley. There's a lot of potential with this guy. You know, but is it just that, you know, Dean Ambrose is just a watered down John Moxley and, and this is as good as it's going to get? Or am I just completely off base here? I don't think you're completely off base, but I will say that for me, if you look at this match and you see John Moxley, who's the the rebel, the 
badass. He's Death Rider in New Japan. You know, he's he's got this amazing personality and dope fucking music, by the way. <laughs> Both. Yeah. <laughs> but um, he's so cool. And, and what a build he had. And that freaking insane death match with Kenny that he had last year. Holy Jesus. I mean, you know, there's a lot of potential with John Moxley. And when John Moxley is allowed to be John Moxley, I think you get really good shit out of him. I think you really do. But on paper, if you're looking at this, and he and he's that guy, and he's the champion, and then you look at Brody Lee, and he's the exalted one, right? The vignettes, I will tell you, were the best part of this whole Dark Order story. Mm-hmm. I think since he's come in, the tone and tenor of the Dark Order has completely changed. Where's Evil Uno? Right. Uh, where 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 are they at? Don't know. It's weird, you know. Um. You know, there was a lot of preparation for the Exalted One, and the hype was real, and he came out, and I was like, oh, good for you. Like, I, I'm nervous, because, you know, he didn't do really too much talking in WWE, and I'm like, mm, I don't know how this is going to go. But it, it worked out pretty good at first, and then all of a sudden he became like a mafia-type style guy, and like a corporate-looking kind of guy, and he's wearing suits, and his hair slicks back, which is a great look for him, by the way. Hashtag wrestling fashion. Great mm. choice. Love the purple and black, by the way. Love it. Yep. No, no complaints there. Um, but I feel like I don't understand what the Exalted One is. Like, I don't understand who he is. Like, what does this all mean? I understand we're supposed to join Dark Order and they're supposed to, like, you know, free you from obscurity. But, like, why are you wearing those dumbass looking masks? Sometimes. But not all the time. They're, they're, uh, they, you, it's a, it is a weak mask, isn't it? It's weak. It's weak. It is. Yeah. It's not good. What, and, and which masks can be freaking stellar? Yeah. This is not a good look. Right. Um, you know, it, it, there's stuff in the Dark Order that I like. I like Ten. He was a cool new addition. That was fun. Some big muscle and power that isn't just your exalted one. They needed that. They needed that in Dark Order. Um, but the the tone is so much different. I still don't understand who the exalted one is. I don't understand his mission. The vignettes that he's making, like, I, I don't know. It's not hitting the right way. But on paper, you have the leaner of this cult-like... Very interesting, weird sort of group that takes in your outcasts and like, you know, the people who aren't getting enough storylines and putting them, you know, in, in a family type of vibe versus, you know, your man. On paper, okay. this should this should be legit. Like this should be a match that you're like, yeah, I'm excited for this one. He is your ultimate baby face who's kind of not really a baby face, but, you know, he's John Moxley. He is what it is. Versus the exalted one. Like, right, this is supposed to be the guy that's going to come in and just tear shit apart. I don't feel that. I don't feel that here. I don't feel that in the build. I don't feel that in the people. And I'm a little like, mm, I feel like, you know, like, you know, on paper, it's John Moxley all day. Um, I don't think they're ready to take the title off of him. You know, right. especially when you look back at his meteoric rise from his debut. I mean, the, the freaking video that he posted at, you know, midnight when his contract was officially done and like he was officially free and he broke out of the prison and all this crazy stuff. You know, it's been unbelievable ride for John Moxley from then until right now. And this is a one year for him. He debuted here. He's coming back here. This should be a big deal, JPQ. And I don't feel like it's a big deal. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, I think I'm with you on that. Um, can I can I pitch you on? Yeah. Let me pitch, pitch me. you. Can I, man? Yeah. Um, the Exalted One. All right. I think the only disservice that came to the Exalted One, uh, or out of the Exalted One, was that it kind of had this supernatural vibe to it. 
uh, a little bit. And not like over the top, but it seemed almost spiritual at times, right? Cult and this driven and this exalted one. And really all that all exalted means is, is that someone, somebody that's held in high regard, right? You know, essentially the leader is, you know, uh, the exalted one. And for whatever reason, I've seen just, you know, through people that, you know, make awesome art and fan art and all these types of things that has had this kind of this supernatural spiritual type of vibe to it. And I think that they're missing the mark a little bit. Um, looking at Birdie Lee and looking at what this character should be, and I get that everybody kind of goes the Vince route with it. I shouldn't say everybody. Some certainly some go the people, Vince route yeah. with it and kind of criticize it or really, really enjoy it, right? Um, I don't know if I get those vibes. To me, this dude is cerebral, right? To me, this dude is somebody who is going to exhaust every uh, opportunity or every advantage at his disposal and he's going to take no prisoners and how he goes about getting what he wants right and that's kind of what he's imparting on all these different numbered members of of dark order and all these vignettes right it's why you don't sneeze at the table it's why you don't talk when you're not or when you're not being spoken to it's it's why you know he demands success it's not you know, the result is going to be what you want the result to be, provided that, you know, you put the appropriate amount of work in, you know, and it's not, you know, what what the result is, it's how you get there, right, mm -hmm. in a sense. And, and he's kind of been preaching that in these, you know, um, in these vignettes over the last couple of weeks. And so, you know, I sit there and I say, okay. You know, it feels like my wrestling instincts, what I'm preconditioned to growing up in the in the world that I did, I'm preconditioned to this isn't enough of a build. This puts John Moxley at an advantage, right? Because there's not enough investment, then the conventional thinking is to say that this is just a one over or a step over for John Moxley as he begins to build some clout behind his title reign. At the same time, you know, I can sit there and I can say, well, okay, if I'm in you know, uh, the shoes, if I'm in the exalted one, Brodie Lee's shoes, well, maybe I don't want four weeks of telegraphed promos, right? Maybe I don't want to ask, right? Maybe I just want to take, maybe I want to shake him and take him off his game. I want to tenderize him for two or three weeks leading into it, right? I want to utilize the resources available to me. It's not about respect. It's not about chivalry. It's not about, you know, conventional wrestling wisdom. No, I'm out here to show everybody underneath of me how to get the job done. And you get the job done by any means necessary. You use every resource available to you. You break every rule that you possibly can without sacrificing what the goal is in the end run um, to, to succeed at what, you know, whatever your goal is. And in this instance, by waiting until this point and then coming out and then playing this and, and beating up John Moxley and tenderizing John Moxley and then playing the psychology game of stealing his title and then the bravos that comes along with that and and everything that's involved with that, you know, he's putting himself in a position to hold all the cards, so to speak, going into double or nothing to where now John Moxley has to now kind of chase you know, the, the successes up to this point in a very brief amount of time of, of Brody Lee, right? Because Brody Lee is going to maximize every trick in the book to take John Moxley out of the game to put himself in a better position to beat him one-on-one, -on -one, if it's one-on-one -on -one at all, 
right? Because you, mm. you, you you know, you play with the ref a little bit. You have multiple people that you can come to have in. John Moxley's a loner where I have all these people that I can utilize to my advantage. I mean, shit, you could turn the lights off. We can beat them up and turn the lights back on, and I'm sitting pretty. There's a couple different ways that you can play this and where, you know, people don't always enjoy that type of storytelling with your world heavyweight champion. Um, I would tell you that him losing in some type of dickish fashion like this uh, and losing clean, quote unquote, um, in the eyes of the ref. But all these things happening to him, although he loses the title, I don't know if that necessarily hurts the title or John Moxley because of all the dastardly deeds, which I'm sure you're going to hear from Jr. on Saturday night, <laughs> um, you know, of Brody Lee and, and the dark order, right? And this is an opportunity for the dark order to come full circle from the time that they debuted as this, you know, gimp like, um, you know, subs in a sense uh, to, to coming to you know the top of the mountain and be taken seriously as a as a faction that is here to make waves and make an impact in 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 everybody's lives and keep recruiting you know the young up and comers or the the potential uh, uh, new hires into into what Brody Lee uh, the vision of what Brody Lee has for for AEW and that's that's a story that can be told right now. Given everything that is going on, because if if John, Mo- let's say you're not going to have an audience for the next two months, right? Well, then John Moxley, with this title for the next two or three months, whenever the next pay-per-view is, is kind of sitting in this creative purgatory because he feeds off the energy of the crowd. He feeds off of his personality is one that's driven off of, you know, being a man of the people. He's a, He's as close to Stone Cold as anybody we've seen. Right. With his anti-hero type of mentality. Well, that doesn't play well right now. But you put a guy out there with seven or eight minions causing a bunch of havoc as he holds the title. And if the title change is going to happen, well, it's not the lasting impression at Double or Nothing because it's probably going to be the co-main, you know, to to this. The stadium stampede match that's going to happen uh, with Matt Hardy and, and the Elite versus versus the Inner Circle. So, you know, you can get away with that type of story without it being what people remember about the pay-per-view. You know what I mean? And so I, I keep lining these things up, and i got to kind of clean this picture up a little bit. But, you know, I, I, I'm putting these pieces together, and I'm sitting here like, it's not so cut and dry that just because he's defended the title once and this has been a short build— that John Moxley is going to leave. On paper, it feels that way. But when you really begin to break this down and what can happen after the fact, well, I think Brody Lee has just as much of a chance to to win this title as John Moxley does to retain. Well, this right here is why you are the can't miss speculist. <laughs> I can only do it on Queen's Court. I can only do it on Queen's Court. <laughs> yeah, silly. Uh, <laughs> you know, you make a great case and it would be interesting and it would be cool if they go that route later, you know, if they really lean into that and let him kind of do what they're going to do. And, you know, whomever might show up to be a part of the Dark Order in the future could be very intriguing. So I can see and understand your case for that. Um, I just don't know. I'm I'm hoping it'll be pleasantly interesting. At least it'll be fun for me to see these two former WWE guys and these definitely different personas. 
So yeah, for sure. That, that'll be cool, you know, in any case. But I don't know. I digress. As you move towards that stadium stampede match, whatever the hell that's going to be, um, you know, we have our main players here. We have our first AEW champion, Chris Jericho, who established himself as the first double or nothing by beating Kenny Omega to become the guy to face Adam Hangman Page at All Out, um, which, by the way, was a really fun match. Um we have him. He's Le Champion, and he's built the inner circle. You know, one of the coolest things about Jericho is he's the greatest. He's the GOAT. We we know this. He cuts promos on a freaking drone, and it's amazing. <laughs> you know, only Jericho can do that in a hot tub with leather pants on. I, I don't know. It's just he's Chris Jericho. And building the inner circle and building the elite. Now, the elite have been happening, you know, for such a long time. If you go back and watch New Japan matches, you know, it started with Kenny and the Bucks, just Kenny and the Bucks. They were the elite. And from there, they added in Cody and Adam Cole in some extension and Marty and Hangman. And, you know, they had this little group going and it's obviously evolved into something different. Marty's no longer here. He's the missing link. Uh, Adam Cole was uh, dead. R.I.P. Adam Cole. He's been killed. But you could see him as his ghost on NXT. but you have the elite now, which is Kenny, Matt, Nick, and Adam Page, with Matt Hardy, who is broken. Matt Hardy, who is who is Damascus, who is a, is what I think a lot of people who watched his stuff in Impact when the first iteration of this broken Matt took place uh, have been waiting for, because it never quite came to fruition in WWE for a lot of reasons. Um, but now here he is, and in his creative freedom out the wazoo. And this match is crazy. But if you go back to the previous double or nothing, they were in, you know, totally different positions. All of them in this match. You know, some of them weren't even here yet. So, you know, you had Chris versus Kenny in the main. You had the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Brothers. Hangman won the Casino Battle Royale. And, you know, Sammy was in um, whatever he was in. I can't remember off the top of my head. Oh, sorry. The uh, the pre-show match with Kip Sabian. Right. And, uh Jake Hager wasn't there yet, and the Inner Circle uh, debuted a little bit later. (laughs) That was really dope. So they weren't here yet either. So, ah, proud and powerful, which we know as LAX from previous promotions. But, you know, it's it's a very different feel, and this is faction on faction. It's group versus group. It's leader versus leader in a lot of ways. Kenny and, and Jericho and you know, kind of, I would say, are the leaders of each. Though the elite, is, it's kind of hard to say who's actually in charge of the elite, per se. Because um, you want to maybe think it's the Bucks, but I don't know. I, I kind of place it as Kenny is the leader of the elite because he kind of always has been for me. I don't know, because it started in Bullet Club, so that's kind of how I associate it. But Chris Jericho is a clear leader of the inner circle. Uh, the elite don't have that, but the elite have problems. You know, how's Hangman Page going to be in this match? We started this episode talking about Hangman and... He's been gone, and how is he going to be like? And how is it going to be to work with Matt Hardy and this five-man team versus the inner circle? It's going to be craziness. Um, the episode a couple weeks ago on AW Dynamite, when Kenny Omega brought DDT to the American uh, uh, audience and chasing in a golf cart with Matt Hardy and running over Sammy Guevara. And, you know, Kenny was so funny on Twitter. He tweeted, you know, Kenny, you can't bring DDT to an American audience. And he said, hold my Coke Zero. <laughs> 
<laughs> he uh, he brought it, man. He was freaking great. And if it's anything like that, I imagine the shenanigans to be fun and hard hitting and exciting. We're going to get some cool spots. We're going to get Matt Hardy being the different iterations of Matt Hardy. We'll get regular Matt Hardy. We'll get version one Matt Hardy. We'll get Damascus. You know, it'll be fun and exciting, but it's not for anything. <laughs> it's not. Like, what's the reason? It's just they've been building this kind of inner circle elite battles kind of forever. But it's not like, you know, no one's winning anything here except for dominance in, in right. some shape or form. The thing is supposed to be the blood and guts, right? Right. Before COVID happened. Exactly. <clears throat> to kind of doing the blood, kind of ending that story to start anew after, which right. I think is good. Um, I'll tell you this. Here's here's my biggest takeaway from this one. Um, number one, how great is... How great is it that AEW has been able to book the elite in such a way to where we're not rolling our eyes because the elite are in the main event? Oh, I love it. You know, like what it's a nice like thing that is. I know it's so good because remember what the narrative was. Yeah. Uh, they're all they're gonna put over their friends. They're all in it for themselves. They're all marks for each other. You know, all friends wrestling and all this type of crap and on some level that's still true but uh sure. <laughs> you know i mean, every, I mean hello <laughs> that's right every every joke is made with a little tr- truth um but really you know if you were to sit here a year ago and say that one year from today that the elite um everybody outside of cody was going to be in the main event everybody would be like of course they are right yeah, of like, course yeah they they love each other they of course they're going to be in the main event because that's the only thing that they got going for them is the elite and they're going to play to the to the to the vitriol fan base that they had and blah 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 and all that type of stuff okay well here we are a year later and it's still happening mm-hmm. but you look at the way in which we got there hang hangman page has literally been off tv for the last 10 weeks yeah. right we have not seen him um kenny omega has been on this crazy ride from you know, these these uh, blackout matches to these crazy ddt inspired runabouts on on dynamite and anything and everything in between the dude has wrestled everybody i mean he had a he had a competitive match against um some guy named angel right <laughs> a couple yeah. weeks ago on uh on dynamite angel, that's right right that was that was great as well you know and he's just going out there and for the love of wrestling you know is is kenny omega um you have Nick Jackson, who's been pretty much out of commission since he got beat up by the inner circle, right? And Matt Jackson, who's been um, running a little singles and running a little this and kind of been training with his brother on BTE in the lead up to this. So they've been off television, you know, in this time. So for them to circle back to this point and make this what I assume to be the main event of Double or Nothing, why wouldn't it be? Um you know, and then to do it against the likes of the inner circle, which I'll tell you that Tito and Ortiz still, in my opinion, outside of of the Bucks, um, are the most co- cohesive unit and my favorite tag team, right, of all of AEW. I just think that the way they work is more palatable to my style of wrestling, my favorite type of wrestling than the Young Bucks are, although one and one A, you know, um, but, you know, you got them and you have Sammy Guevara and you have... Chris Jericho, the goat, and then you have Hagar, who's just there. You know, <laughs> he's doing sorry, his thing. Jake, but you're just there. Uh, you know, and then you're bringing Matt Hardy into the mix, right? And you're bringing in a signee who can uh, add a wrinkle of mysteriousness, right, and a little <laughs> mysticism um, in in the the crazy broken world of Matt Hardy. Yeah, you add all those components together, and you say, well, hell, you know, this is this is as interesting as compelling as 
you know, thought out of a storyline that we've had up to this point. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, it is the elite and they are in the main event. And it's not what the narrative is. Right? The narrative isn't people complaining either outside looking in or inside wishing that there was other, you know, their favorites were pushed to the top, you know, complaining that they're main eventing. Right. I think that's a success. Right? I think that's a big win for them. On top of that, they proved on a teaser two, three weeks ago um, that these DDT-inspired all-over-the-arena type of matches are um, totally viable, right? And they're interesting, and they're fun, and there's these crazy spots, and you can set things up, and the fluidity, and the, you know, the... Like, that really was a dry run for what I expect the main event to be this time around, just in a bigger scale, right? Just at a bigger scale, where it'll still make sense. It'll still progress from one spot to another. Um, and it'll be wild, crazy zaniness. But at the end of the day, it'll make sense. It'll be a lot of fun. It'll be super fluid. There'll be great spots. Hopefully nobody gets hurt. And, you know, we get, we get left with some one big hell of a send-off, you know, going into, um, you know, the, what? The, I guess this would be like the new quarter right yeah. of, of ew i guess that's the way to say it um you know as they build towards you know all out in the summertime um i expect fireworks at the end right whatever happens and i don't care if it's something as kitschy as they have like the old dynamite tnt um block that they hit like they did in looney tunes or if it's just like fun pyro at the end but whoever wins i want pyro right coming from the stadium right? i think that would be sweet so um i expect a spectacle I expect something different. And again, it's Chris Jericho and the Elite. You can't ask for much more than that. You really can't. I think it's just going to be a heck of a lot of fun. And I would imagine it would close the show as well. To back up your point, I, I think it's a good way to to leave us on Saturday night. Um, you know, there's there's so much going on in this double or nothing, you know, and as we reset, if you will, for the the next quarter and the push to all out, on Labor Day weekend. So we're going from Memorial Day weekend to Labor Day weekend and what we're going to get in the next couple of months and how different the world is and how different wrestling is. And, you know, we're going to have no people for a long time. And how are they going to respond to that? You know, I feel like the first couple of months of this, you know, global pandemic and our national, you know, change of sports and lack of sports and, you know, the way that wrestling is being presented you know, we're kind of scrambling to kind of figure out what they're going to do. But now that this is a thing, and now that we know it's going to be a thing, uh, how will they handle it moving forward? I think I'm I'm most interested in what's going to come out of this double or nothing, which is similar to how I felt in 2019. I was most excited for what was going to come out of double or nothing because I knew the matches were going to be great. And I knew that we were going to get a really cool push towards All Out. And that was the moment, you know, where once all out happened, it was weeks until it was television time. So, mm -hmm. you know, for us now, it's different because we have television and we have all these things. And, you know, as we look here in bookend 2019 to 2020, I, I guess, is AEW better off than it was? Does it still have the hype? Does it still have the, the draw and the anticipation? Has it morphed? Has it matured? What are your feelings, I guess, as you look at the year? Uh, it's a good question. I think that I'll tell you with regards to running a wrestling show on cable television, they've exceeded every expectation I've had uh, up to this point. Um, I think that's fair. 
as far as the bar that they set the, for themselves, I think they got some work to do, right? Um, you know, I'm someone that jumped on AEW not because, um, you know, I'm a I'm an elite fan. I love Kenny Omega and I love the Bucks and I enjoy Cody, but I'm not watching AEW for the elite. I'm not one of those people. You know what I mean? And if you are, God bless you, right? I feel the same mm-hmm. way about Stardom. Hashtag Watch Stardom. Uh, <laughs> But it is one of those things where, you know, you set an expectation with me back in Jacksonville back in 2019, January of 2019, where you were going to change the world, right? You haven't changed the world yet. And I will give you time and I will give you many years to figure that out, right? And I think you are doing things differently. And I applaud you for the changes that you've made. You've got work to do, so don't rest on your laurels. Um, but for what they've been able to accomplish up to this point, for anybody to say that that's any type of failure is just flat out wrong in any context, right? They are out kicking their coverage right now, and they're pivoting with pandemics and uh, visa issues and uh, uh, roster switch ups and uh, failed storylines. And anything and everything in between, they've been able to pivot and put on a product that's worth not just the money that we're investing as for fans, but then the time uh, um, uh, investment as well. So or the a time equity as well from us. So I think on all accounts that they're they're doing a good job. They just either need to bring their expectations, our expectations down on what we should expect from them from a larger uh, from a from a bigger scale or start working faster toward once we get out of COVID, obviously i mean clearly they have obviously of course yeah right now they just stay afloat right but after that start getting back to you know changing the world and if you can do that hey you know the world's your oyster in that sense because that's really what's going to transcend them to the next level in my opinion i totally agree totally agree well i'm excited for double or nothing i i think it's going to surprise in a lot of ways i think there's going to be some really good stuff in here i'm looking forward to it I'm looking forward to listening to your predictions with Mr. Warren Hayes uh, on Saturday. Oh, thanks. Um, Mm -hmm. We're going to have some fun with that, making our predictions on our various avenues. Uh, So I hope you all will come check out what JPQ and Warren have to say, and what myself and Ashley and Rich from Dojo and Dynamite have to say about the upcoming Double or Nothing this Saturday night. And you know what? I think above all else, we can all agree we're grateful for a wrestling show, even though there's no fans, that's okay. We still get to see some of our favorites work. And, uh, you know, this is the world that we live in. And uh, let's just be thankful <laughs> that they're they're doing this uh, all together, you know, that they're mm-hmm. doing it and that they're putting it on and they're keeping everybody as safe as they possibly can. That's the main, the main thing there. And, um, you know, JPQ doesn't suck to be an AEW fan. No. No, right now it does not suck at <laughs> all to be an AEW fan. I agree. Well, my friend, if they don't know where to find you, let them know where to find you. And uh, obviously, you have the first half of this episode mm-hmm. on your show, No Particular Angle. And uh, you should have listened to that before coming over here to listen to this part. Because we really broke it down over two hours in two episodes from year to year, 2019 to 2020, double or nothing, doubling down with Queen and Pup. Double the pleasure, double the fun. I mean, hello. Double mint gum. Double mint gum. Best gum. Back yeah. in the day. Yeah, yeah right. Kinda Back was. in the day, that was it. You know, not a so much peppery, anymore. But not... A little peppery, but a little something. Yeah, right. Like the minty, it was a mint, but then had a little pepper, but it died off real quick. You know? Yeah. 
was a nice little flash in the pan. Uh, didn't have the bite of the big, but you know what I think? Here's the thing. Juicy fruit was like candy, right? Oh, yeah. And big and big red was big red was where now very nice back then a little too much bite as a child. You know yep. what I mean? Uh, and chiclets. Who's spending 25 cents on a handful of chiclets? Nobody's spending Nobody. 25 cents on a handful of chiclets. It's all about double mint when we were back in the day. Yeah. But I don't know. It's been a pleasure speaking with you about this. Wouldn't do with anybody else, buddy. Um, so let the people know where to come find you. And, of course, as always, hashtag watch stardom. Hashtag watch stardom. At Big Paws on a Pup as well as at NPA Podcast. Uh, no particular angle uh, is what you should have listened to prior to Queen's Court. But if you're listening to Queen's Court now, head back and check out part one of the hashtag Queen and Pup Connection. Um, because on Wednesdays we wear purple. And I wouldn't wear purple with anybody else but the queen of any herself. <laughs> Damn straight. And uh, don't worry, my friends. We'll be back with some wrestling fashion at some point. We're just, we just got to wait for a moment. You know what I'm saying? Maybe All Out will give us some wrestling fashion moments. I have no <laughs> idea what's going to happen. But hey, P.S. New Japan, you know, is going to like maybe come back with no fans. So I don't know. Someone may come out with something. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I'm hoping. Hiromu. It's very right. soon. I want G1 five star. Oh, let's go. Put it all together. Let's make it happen. But anyway, my friends, thank you so much for tuning in to this awesome double feature from hashtag Queen of Connection, everyone's favorite connection. Yes. And if you don't know, now you know. And uh, from me to you, enjoy the rest of your day. And please be kind to one another and enjoy Double or Nothing. Mm-hmm.